Welcome to Worship with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia, brought to you at a time when we join you in practicing social distancing to curb the pandemic virus. This sermon podcast is from our online virtual worship service that you can find through our website at opmh.org. We pray that in the not-too-distant future we will welcome you in person when you visit us in Old Town, Alexandria. Good morning and welcome to this online worship service with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia. Wherever you are, we are glad that you are with us today as we worship God and seek God's will for our lives. The Lord be with you. Let us worship God together. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, all ye nations, all ye nations, praise the Lord, all ye nations, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, all ye nations, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, all ye reading today comes from Psalm 86, verses 11 through 17. Listen for God's word. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to revere your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me, 
you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, the insolent rise up against me. A band of ruffians seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the child of your serving girl. Show me a sign of your favor so that those who hate me may see it and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The psalmist describes God as being merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I invite you to keep these things in mind as you read and hear today's gospel lesson. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? And he answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And Jesus answered, the one who sows is the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. And just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. May God's Spirit help us to hear and to understand to this God's Word. In today's Gospel lesson, Jesus tells another parable to the same people in the same place, employing the same agricultural images of sowers and seeds. And spoiler alert, he will tell another one in next week's lesson.
As you hopefully will recall, these parables come at the midpoint of Matthew's gospel and the midpoint of the growing opposition to Jesus and his ministry, suggesting that they are aimed at explaining why Jesus is affirmed by some and opposed by others. Today's parable expands the explanation in a rather unexpected way. It begins by comparing the kingdom of heaven to someone who sows good seed in his field. It bears noting that the kingdom of heaven is the main focus of Jesus' teaching. In Matthew's gospel, the kingdom of heaven delineates differences between God's kingdom and Caesar's kingdom. The act of Jesus coming down from heaven represents the inbreaking of God's kingdom on earth. And this makes explicit, says one scholar, that the gospel is a political document. The writer is proposing an alternative understanding of the world, one that would directly oppose the political leaders of his time. As such, clear lines need to be drawn. Which kingdom will prevail? Whose empire will we participate in? Questions to keep in mind as we wrestle with this parable. As Matthew tells the story, the sower of the good seed is a person of wealth and status, a householder who owns slaves and land. The idea that such a person would be the one to sow the seeds and not the slaves is an unusual and striking feature of the story, one that is no doubt meant to grab our attention and prepare us for what comes next. As in last week's lesson, the seed that is sown is compromised. This time, it is not the differing soils that compromise its growth, rather another kind of seed sown by another kind of person. While everyone was asleep, an enemy sows a different seed, the poisonous darnel among the wheat field. As one scholar describes it, the so-called bearded darnel is a devil of a weed. Its roots surround the roots of good plants, sucking up precious nutrients and scarce water, making it impossible to root out without damaging the good crop. Above ground, the darnel looks identical to wheat until it bears seed. And those seeds can cause everything from hallucinations to death. Bearded darnel, also known as false wheat, is the botanical equivalent of the ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing, of which Jesus has already warned. Moreover, Jesus says this evil is intentional. Unlike the preceding story about a sower, this is not a parable of happenstance, good seed falling onto infertile soil. Here, the enemy deliberately sows bad seed in a field of good soil. At first glance, this parable seems to describe a them versus us situation, tempting us, as one writer puts it, to fill in who are the evildoers and who are the children of the kingdom. An easy trap in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic and the unmasking of racial animus. A closer read, however, reveals it as a cautionary tale 
and a parable intended to offer some encouragement. First, the cautionary aspect. In Matthew's Gospel, we encounter enemies three other times. The first is in chapter 5, where Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. This should give us pause. For if these enemies are destined for a furnace of fire, then why bother to love them in the present? Furthermore, the God who judges all of us causes the sun to rise on both the evil and the good without distinction. What are we to make of this paradox? The second reference to enemies is in chapter 10, where Jesus tells the disciples that he is sending them out as sheep among wolves, where one's enemies will be members of one's own household. This should also give us pause. What does it mean that deep divisions can occur in and among our own families? And how do we know if we are the enemy or the good? And what is it that determines which we are? The third and final reference occurs in chapter 22, where Jesus speaks of the prophecy of David with respect to the Messiah. Sit at my right hand, he says, until I put your enemies under your feet. Ultimately, the enemies who sow weeds among the wheat will be defeated. They will be cast out from God's presence where they will weep and gnash their teeth. But for what? In remorse for what they have done? Or in anger at being defeated by their enemy? As the New Testament scholar Holly Heron suggests, these references resist efforts to turn enemies into nameless opponents on the other side of a great divide. Rather, they point us to something much more complex in which lines between them and us are blurred. Like the slaves of the householder in Jesus' parable, we are often too quick to draw lines between them and us. And unfortunately, there are many glaring examples of this in our current political and religious environment. We draw lines between rich and poor, native-born and immigrant, urban and rural, educated and non-educated, liberal and conservative, Democrat and Republican, and believers and non-believers. But as this parable reminds us, we are all in this world together. So we must grow together and leave any needed separating to God. As my friend and former seminary classmate and now president of Austin Seminary, Ted Wardlaw points out, there is a strategy in this parable that pushes us away from premature clarity regarding such matters of discernment and makes room instead for a holy and purposeful ambiguity. This is not a vague and ungrounded whatever kind of ambiguity, but an ambiguity that is both wise and intentional. In our impatience with others, 
We often want to bring matters to a head and so determine whether others are in or out. But the God who is glimpsed in this parable models for us an infinite patience that frees us to get on with the crucial business of loving or at least living with each other. This picture, says Wardlaw, is a blessed mixture of weeds and wheat growing together until harvest. It's not just a glimpse of the faithful church in our own time, but it's finally a glimpse of the future judgment at the end of time as we know it. At this level, the parable points us to a God who does not merely tolerate a world that is a mixture of good and evil, triumph and tragedy, but who finally, in God's own good time, acts both to judge and to redeem the world. This, I believe, is good news. Good news for you and for me. It is God who will ultimately judge us. And as the Bible reminds us, God's judgment, like the refiner's fire, is meant to cleanse and remove all the evil impurities that divide and destroy community. This is good news because it is not just the world out there, not just the country or the church at large that is a mixture of good and evil. It is we ourselves. Each of us is a mixture of weeds and wheat, of unholy and holy, with the capacity to be destructive as well as constructive. As one commentator says, each of us resembles the farmer's field with weeds and wheat intertwined in our souls, our hearts, and our minds. This, no doubt, is what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Dear friends, I don't want to minimize the power of evil. It is real and it is dangerous. But neither do I want you to think that evil is just out there somewhere, in other places and other people. Evil is also in here, in our souls, in our hearts, and in our minds. Something we are finally beginning to see as we wrestle with the problem of racism. As Pogo famously put it, we have met the enemy and he is us. The good news of the gospel is that God is working to redeem and restore the whole creation, including you and including me. To paraphrase one commentator, God is stronger and smarter than the weed-sowing enemy. Not only the enemy out there, but the enemy within us. And sooner or later, God will sort out the good from the bad. That may sound harsh to our tolerant, enlightened ears, but this harvest time judgment is the ultimate good news. 
be it for those facing corruption in their workplace or those living in places of oppression. For in a world where seeds of hatred and injustice are daily sown, this parable affirms unequivocally that God is still in charge. As the old hymn proclaims, though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. Amen. Go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord. And may the grace, mercy, and peace of God be with you and all God's people now and forever. Amen.